You think you know something about a podcast? You know nothing about a podcast. Welcome to a Beer Best Served podcast. I'm your host, Ermio, aka the Bald Man Homebrewer. Let's get this brew session started. So sit back, relax, listen, and have a homebrew or two. Welcome, everyone, to the second episode of Beer Best uh, Served podcast. Uh, today's subject uh, that I want to start off with is, you know, getting yourself organized, getting yourself ready. But really what I want to talk about is, you know, the beginning homebrewer and the essential kits. Um, I just uh, brewed a um, rustic French ale, which I will talk in the second part of this podcast, how that went. But it made me reflect upon the pieces of equipment you need as a brand new homebrewer to get started. So I want to talk about that. What do you need essentially to get started in the home brewing uh, hobby? And I think it's kind of important because you can always, you know, go overboard and buy the most expensive equipment. Um, you know, find out that you can't brew. <laughs> no, that uh, you're ha you're having challenges brewing with the new equipment because you just don't have the experience to use it. Uh, and I really think that home brewing doesn't need to be expensive uh, to produce uh, a good, good, good beer. Um, of course, you could, you know, you've got a lot of experience and you've been brewing for a long period of time. Yes, I would, I, I would always agree that the better the equipment, the better your beer is going to come out. But if you're beginning the home brewing hobby, hell, you don't need to spend a lot of money, and I, and, and I don't suggest that you do. I think it's stupid to spend a lot of money. I think that you need to enter the hobby in its affordable state and enjoy the experience. There's nothing better, I think, than you know, becoming rich in home brewing. And what I mean by that is you start cheap. Um, you don't have to make it expensive. Um, and you know, as you progress in the home um, brewing uh, party, then you add equipment to it. If you were to look at my setup today, it's entirely different than the setup I had when I started home brewing. In fact, I was an extract home brewer three and a half years ago when I restarted uh, this hobby. And today, you know, I'm an all grain home brewer. But I want to focus a lot about, you know, what do you need to start home brewing? Because again, don't use your whole bank account to start this hobby. Uh, start inexpensively, have fun doing it, and enjoy the experience. I mean, what's worse than you know spending money on a, a large piece of equipment only to find out it doesn't meet your expectations, or you know, what, what is that that buyer's remorse thing? You know, like you 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 go into your favorite store, whether it be electronics or whether it be a, a power tool of sorts. And you know, you, you always want to buy the best power tool you possibly can or the best electronic that you, you can get for your money and you don't want to be ripped off. So, you know, you're looking at the different levels of power tools and you have to weigh the pros and cons about, 
or, or the electronic, you have to weigh the pros and cons. How often are you going to use this uh, to make the investment worthwhile? Some people go in there and buy the most expensive equipment, use it once and break the shit out of it. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, you have to reinvest and, and buy it again. Or, uh, you know, you buy the least expensive piece of equipment and it, it sort of meets your expectations. But then while you're using it, you're wondering whether or not you should have spent more money. But I'm I'm sort of uh, in the, in home brewing. I am of the mind that, you know, start small, start inexpensive. Um, as inexpensive as you can and 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 brew a couple of batches of beer and and after you've brewed a couple of batches of beer go on to the next level you know invest get a get another piece of equipment something that you feel uh, will improve your home brewing game so let's go over the essentials uh, as I mentioned I just brewed a, um, a rustic French ale um, extract brew um, I wanted to go back. I haven't done it in over three and a half years, and it was quite the experience. But um, I kind of followed my own advice and, uh, you know, kept it very simple. And so the equipment I used um, to do the brew in itself is what I'm going to recommend to you. And the same thing is the next list that I'm going to present to you is the, uh, the inventory that you'll need to bottle your beer because I'm a bottle conditioner. And, uh, you know, I want to keep it simple. That's the whole idea. Although with the bottle conditioning uh, or with the bottling portion, it's pretty much the same equipment I've been using <laughs> forever. So um, let, let's approach our brew day from a beginner's uh, mindset. Um, this is what this is all about. Um, and look at the inventory that you'll need, especially if you're going to start brand new with extract brewing. So uh, I suggest a kettle, a three to four gallon stainless steel kettle, um, a spoon. Get yourself a large uh, slotted spoon. Um, I'd say longer than 14 inches. Um, the material can be, you know, you can find these things uh, in homebrew shops in plastic. You can find them in stainless steel. Uh, a fermenting bucket, uh, six gallons is my recommendation. Something you can hold at least five gallons, but six gallons would be the preferable. Uh, a fermenting bucket lid, of course, that will fit on top of that bucket. Uh, it has a little hole on the top with a grommet so that you can put in what you need to, and that's called an airlock. And that's the next item on the list, an airlock or a fermenting lock. Uh, I'm going to recommend a three-piece uh, airlock. Uh, it's easier to clean, but there are these S airlocks which are just as efficient. A little harder to clean, but, you know, they work just as well. A thermometer, something that can read between 50 to 200 degrees. I'd, uh, I'd recommend a long stem thermometer, about 14 plus inches, so that you can stick it into the wart without having to stick your hands into the wart. But, you know, you, you can use almost any uh, food grade thermometer, uh, 50 to 200 degrees again. Uh, and a hydrometer. A hydrometer is a measuring device that you're going to need to measure the gravity of your beer. So when you think about it, to start your homebrewing adventure, all you need is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven items to really get started. I mean, back in the day, you know, all you really needed was a kettle and a fermenting bucket, and you can make beer. These things, uh, these seven items here, you can make any type of beer because the ingredients are so available to you. Um, and you really can get started as easily uh, as uh, with these seven items to start brewing beer. And uh, I practiced what I preached uh, just a few days ago. Um, I really didn't pull any more inventory than this. 
and it worked just fine. In fact, um, um, there are three additional items that will make your day easier. Uh, muslin bags so that you can put things in and minimize your mess. Uh, a funnel with a screen. Uh, I use that. Uh, I found it a little tedious, but uh, the funnel with the screen was nice. It uh, removed the larger particulates. And then an auto siphon with tubing. Um, I did not use the auto siphon. I really just poured the wort directly into the fermenting bucket through the screen. Uh, and so I didn't use the auto siphon. Uh, I will say this. Uh, I think I'm going to probably use the auto siphon uh, in, in future uh, adventures. Again, it's I've been out of practice with extract brewing, so um, it, w it, took a, it took a little while to get... Uh, get into the groove of um, um, timing and everything. But um, uh, auto siphon with tubing, it's a nice nice tool to have uh, when transferring wort from one environment to the next. So let's talk about each essential piece here and why it's important. The kettle, of course, you need something to cook your wort in. And uh, a larger kettle is preferable over a smaller kettle, kettle. Of course, you have to decide also the surface you're cooking on. If you're doing this in your kitchen, you know, you've got to be able to take a, a, a larger kettle and cook it. But of course, you can't have something so overwhelming that it doesn't fit in your kitchen or on top of your stove. So, um, you know, you, you want, you're not, it's going to be hard to use like a 10 gallon um, a kettle, stainless steel kettle, even though it'd be great to have it in the future, but it'll be hard to use a large kettle like that. So, you know, when you do an extract brewing, you can keep it very minimal. You can you can use the lower uh, sized or the smaller sized kettle. So a three to four, preferably four gallon kettle. I have a four gallon stainless steel kettle, and I will tell you that um, it worked well uh, in in what I needed. The spoon, of course, and I, and you know, with the kettle, you prefer stainless steel. Um, you can use the you know the canning kettles that they have out there. They come really large. Um, and they're pretty inexpensive. They're enamel coated. Those work just fine, but just make sure you inspect it. Make sure there's no pitting. Make sure there's no cracking. Um, you, but you can use those and and have great success with those. Um, the spoon, of course, I recommend a larger spoon just so that you can and slotted so that you can agitate the items that are, you're cooking in the wort. You know, you're going to be putting hops. You're going to be putting uh, probably adjuncts or additional grains uh, in in your wort. Um, preferably in muslin bags. And you're going to want to move that around. You just don't want it to sit in the wart. You're going to want to move that around from time to time, make sure nothing sticks on the bottom. So you'll want a spoon long enough so you can reach the bottom of your kettle. Um, and there you go. You've cooked your wart. You know, those are the essential things you need to cook your wart. You don't need much more than that. Um, the fermenting bucket, preferably a six gallon. Um, if this is your first experience, preferably new, of course. But if you clean it and you sanitize it, it'll be fine. Uh, it's very important to inspect your plastic pails. You don't want, uh, especially something that's going to be fermenting a wart for a period of time, you want to inspect it, feel it with your hand. You don't want any real scratches or anything on the inside. In fact, when I, when you clean these buckets, you want to use a cloth cleaner or a sponge cleaner. You want to not use anything abrasive and you don't want to really scratch the surface of your, um, your bucket, your plastic, um, environments. So, um, you know, if this is your first brew, try to get yourself a new brewing bucket. It's pretty cheap and inexpensive. Uh, with that bucket, you're going to need a fermenting lid. This is a lid, of course, it has a, a seal, um, has a gasket in it so that you can seal it very tightly. 
because you have a goal. You don't want uh, the, uh, any air from outside getting in. More importantly, you want the gases inside uh, your fermenting bucket to escape. Uh, but you definitely don't want bad air or air to be introduced into it. And so therefore it has this little hole, this little hole that has a grommet on it. And of course you're going to fit that fermenting lock or air lock into it. Um, and speaking of that, the airlock, I, I prefer uh, a th the three piece and it's because of the easy to, easy to clean. Um, the two piece works just fine. The two piece is an S airlock and you can see it. It's got, you know, it's got a little S tubing shape to it. Um, works beautifully um, it's just harder to clean I've used them and, and they're fine uh, I like the three-piece because it's a lot easier to clean but I will say that three-piece just seems to I, I've cracked a couple uh, I don't know whether it's intentional or unintentional but I've cracked a few and uh, you know uh, the S S one I've never cracked I've had it the longest um, a thermometer of course um, the thermometer is really important for when you're bringing your wort down to a certain temperature so that you can add yeast to it and it's going to be a tool that you're going to use throughout your brewing career. So a little investment like into a nice accurate read. Remember, most thermometers you're going to have to calibrate. But you want something that measures the temperature of liquid. And you're going to want this thing to be able to drop to a certain temperature. And you'll want to be able to uh, monitor that progress. So a thermometer is a great idea. A hydrometer is going to be an essential tool for you. Uh, it's going to be something that you're going to use throughout your brewing career. Uh, and so, and I would recommend hydrometer, uh, purchasing one of those. They come in glass. Uh, there are things like refractometers that, you know, are, um, more, um, how can I say it? More accurate, but you, you know, you don't really need to invest the money in a refractometer right away. I would suggest a hydrometer because it's also fun to do it old school. Um, with that hydrometer, um, of course, you're going to need to be able to measure an environment. And there are these tubes they sell that you can fill with a wart. You can put the hydrometer in it. It's like a testing tube. Um, kind of makes, you know, holding it up and, and seeing the reading easier. But the old school method is to take that hydrometer, put it right into your um, fermenting bucket, and take the reading from there. Um, and the hydrometer, of course, measures the gravity. It's going to be something that you're going to need to uh, measure the gravity of the wort when you put it into your fermenting bucket and you're also going to need it for bottling day to measure the gravity of that wort after it's uh, been in that fermenting environment so that you can take those two measurements and determine your alcohol level or your ABV. Now the three additional items that I suggest the muslin bag the funnel and screen and the auto siphon with tubing those are all additional things but I consider them sort of essential especially if you want to kind of like remove the larger particulates in a wart or a, um, a product that you're making so the muslin bags you're going to occasionally have adjuncts or additional grains that you're going to add they add flavor components to it but you don't want that swimming around in your wart and more importantly when you transfer that wart to your fermenting bucket you really don't want those grains swimming around in that fermenting um, environment so muzzles and bags help keep those larger particulates contained uh, same thing with the funnel and screen uh, I like to use the funnel and screen I like to remove some of the particulates no matter how great your muslin bag is or you know sometimes people use things called hop spiders these things contain uh, the hops um, 
majority of the hot particulates, it's still going to get into your wort. And when you're putting that wort into your fermenting environment, you want to minimize the particulates, the, the larger things in it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not essential, but it does help with uh, the clarity of your beer. The auto siphon, of course, is, uh, as I mentioned uh, before, it is a great tool to have. You'll probably use it through your brewing career, but it allows you to transfer your liquid from one environment to the next. And, um, and it also can keep it pretty airtight and contained. Uh, and more importantly, when you get to the second phase of your home brewing experience, and that's transferring your wort from your fermenting bucket to your um, bottling bucket, you'll want to transfer it in a way that it doesn't really introduce any additional air to your wort, your fermented wort. So uh, this auto siphon can do that and can do it very well. And again, it's just like a gas, you know, car gas siphon, it, you, it uses a suction and more importantly, it uses gravity from a higher point to a lower point. All right, so that is your brew day, and you really don't need much more than those seven items to get a brew day successfully running for you. And, you know, it's simple and it's easy. Now, when we talk about um, your um, bottling day, you're not talking about much more equipment. In fact, you know, there's going to be uh, one tool that you're going to use. I mentioned it, the auto siphon, right? But after that, you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven additional items, of course, that you'll need to just use on your bottling day. Um, one is, of course, the auto siphon. The second one is a bottling bucket uh, with a spigot. A bottling bucket has a hole at the bottom which you can attach a spigot to. And, of course, that spigot will then uh, um, be connected to your bottling wand via a tubing. Um, the bottling wand you'll use to uh, you know, fill your beer bottles up with bottles, of course. Uh, you're going to need about 60 of those, 12 ounces. Uh, a bottle washer, you're going to need to clean those bottles. A bottle capper and, and caps. So again, uh, these are all very, very simple items. Um, not much more to the inventory that you need. Um, you know, you're looking at one, two, three, four, five, six, right? Six additional items to the original seven, 13 items, possibly 16 items if you get the three additional essentials kind of thing. Um, it's not much uh, in the beginning inventory. So with the auto siphon, again, transferring the wart, the bottling the bucket with spigot, you're gonna want this relatively new, especially if you use it. But again, it holds to the same truths. Try to minimize the scratching um, on the inside, especially with the uh, the wart is going to make contact with but you know you'll clean it and you'll sanitize it and your wart will not be sitting in it for a very long time so there really isn't much worry about anything bad transferring but you do want to make sure that it's clean and sanitized the bottling wand with tubing is going to make your life a lot easier you're definitely going to need some sort of tubing that goes from your bottling bucket through the spigot into the bottles the bottling wand is just a really nice it has a spring-loaded tip on it that allows you to Kind of like you press down on it, the wart goes into the bottle. When the wart reaches the uh, cover at uh, the top of the bottle, you quickly release the pressure or pull up on the wand, and it just stops the flow of the wart. Makes your life easy. Of course, the bottles, essential piece, especially if you're bottle conditioning, um, you're going to need that. Uh, bottle washer. This is an essential tool for cleaning your bottles. It makes it easier. Is it possible to do it without it? Of course. 
but it makes your life easier. Um, a bottle capper, of course, you're going to need to put the caps on your bottles and a cap. Um, additional item that you might need is a is a saucepan because you're going to need to create your bottling sugars. Um, and of course, having a small saucepan, you can use the large kettle that you started your brewing in, but a small saucepan so that you can, you know, heat up some water, melt some bottling sugars into it, um, and then introduce those into your um, wort before you do your bottling. And we'll, you know, those are all the kind of things that you're going to need. Again, it's not many pieces. It's 13, um, 13 to 16 different items. You can make your life really easy. Uh, you can you can make your shopping easy, of course, and that's to buy kits that you can buy online, or you can go to a brew shop and buy your kit there. These are starter kits, and they usually have all the pieces. Some have your stainless steel kettle, some don't. Uh, most of them don't have the spoon that you're going to need, so you're going to have to buy the spoon. Uh, some of them have, you know, all the pieces I've listed and some of them are missing some of the pieces so it's a very simple list I'll post this list on uh, my Facebook page uh, the um, the bald man home brewer um, um, bald man home brewing uh, Facebook page and you know give you guys uh, a detailed list of the things that you will need or the things I've mentioned in this podcast but Again, it's a very simple list. It doesn't really need, you don't need too much, and you can have a lot of fun. Minimize the expense, folks. Don't spend a lot of money. It really isn't worth it, um, especially if you're just starting this hobby, and you can produce just a good a beer with these things. And in fact, I, I think you can produce your best beer with these things to start your home brewing day. And then as you progress, uh, and get older in the game you can obviously increase your investment so i hope this helps um, and if you have any questions or comments don't hesitate to provide them i will be glad to respond to them and uh, you know a beer best served is when you make it yourself i smell something burning Welcome again. Welcome back, everyone. Segment two of uh, Better Beer Podcast. This is episode two, of course, but this is segment two of episode two. Very excited news. Um, well, during this segment, I talk about what I'm doing in the beer uh, or home brewing environment or what I'm personally doing for my own home brewing uh, adventures. Uh, today was a very exciting day. Uh, today I finished my brew house setup, so it is really nicely done in my opinion. Um, I have not checked for leaks yet. I haven't checked for um, you know how it's going to circulate the ward or how are things going to work operationally. I'll do that testing uh, tomorrow. But I ran a 220 line to my uh, kettle boil, my boiler, and. Uh, hooked up my uh, inline switches uh, for the rest of my system, and I'm very excited. I posted pictures on my Facebook page, um, uh, Bald Man Home Brewing. Um, you know, it's a simple setup. I'm very proud of it, uh, happy about it. Uh, build some platforms for my tanks. Um, so it came out really well. 
uh, I'm very excited about my new brew space. As I've mentioned before, I've been kicked out of the house by my loving wife and have moved out to what I call the beer shed and have set it up so that I will be brewing beer from this point forward in my brew shed, which I'm actually very excited about. But uh, I'll be testing this system tomorrow. Um, come the few more days, we're looking at approximately, looks like six more days, I will be brewing with a friend, Tony. Uh, we'll be doing a rustic French uh, ale, um, a Cezanne, uh, which is probably the most popular beer that I've made. Um, and uh, as you know, a few days ago, I brewed a rustic French ale, but in extract. Um, went back to my roots uh, or went back to how I started brewing. I was just recently inspired by all this talk about home brewing on uh, uh, several formats. And it just made me think, well, why don't you just keep to practice in that? And I discovered a lot in doing that. Um, uh, one of the things that I realized was no matter <clears throat> how well I think I plan for stuff, uh, you know, you've got to relax uh, because there were some variables that sort of uh, <laughs> made it exciting for moments. Um, one thing that happened to me was how quickly things happened. Um, when you're an all-grain brewer, there are steps to be taken to create the wort. Um, and when you are an extract brewer, you know, the wort's already been created. So uh, in a lot of ways. So all you have to do is like heat up some water, add some uh, liquid, uh, malt extract or uh, dried malt extract and pretty much you you produce you know a, a usable wort whereas with um, all grain brewing you've got to steep your your grains and your malts so that you can create that same same product um, and so that you can go on to your boil which of course is you know uh, the essential components to you know s starting your beer um, and it was fun. It really was a fun experience. Um, got distracted a few moments, uh, you know, and I shouldn't have. But again, the end result was I was I was happy. I, I will say uh, I did mess up. Uh, full disclosure, I messed up. I added too much uh, distilled water to bring the wart down. And so I lost my gravity, uh, unfortunately. Uh, it just makes it a more drinkable beer. So I was shooting for a gravity of 1.047 uh, as an ending, uh, uh, you know, gravity before I put it in the fermenter. I ended up with an ending gravity of 1.038, which means I've gone for a potential ABV of 4.5, uh, which is very drinkable to uh, what I call a light beer. Uh, the new ABV will probably be around three, three and a half percent. Um, a little disappointed with that. Um, I blame myself for that. <laughs> but, you know, you've got to really look at it and just kind of move on from it. It's uh, it's definitely going to be a drinkable beer. Uh, at least I'm hopeful. Um, and, you know, let's let's see what the end result is. Mistakes, again, uh, happen in homebrewing and you move forward. And that's what I want to pass on to a lot of homebrewers is that you just move forward with it. Uh, like this brew shed, it to me, it's just an exciting adventure to have a space dedicated to my home brewing. Of course, it's a big shed, but at the same time, it's not exclusive to home brewing. I've got my power tools, 
in some corner of the, the shed, the essential ones um, that I use from time to time. And they're bulky, but the beer shed is lockable, and so I put it in here, and, uh, you know, everything is safe and secure. But uh, a majority of the shed is dedicated to my homebrewing hobby, which is wonderful you know uh i i wish i wish this good luck upon every home brewer that you get a dedicated space to do your home brewing in and i look forward to the adventure uh you know coming uh, very soon with my friend tony we'll see how the system works i'll be testing uh for leakages and things like that and i'll be testing the electrical circuit uh in the very near future to make sure that everything is operating properly and that the load will hold um, and if I have to adjust things, I will. Um, but the whole idea, of course, is I've always said, play with your toys before you have to use them. I'm going to put the system to full bore. I won't be, of course, boiling wort. I'll be using water, and I'll put all the you know the systems to test. I'll take the laudering uh, or the the um, sparge water tank, and I'll make sure that that's on full bore at the temperatures that I want to run at. And then the, the boil tank, I'll make sure that that's running at full bore at the temperatures I want to run it at. And then at the same time, I'll even try running the circulator pumps that I have um, in the system uh, and make sure that they're all four, you know, I think I have four or five uh, different uh, pieces of equipment that need to run at the same time, or not really, but uh, I'll run all five pieces of equipment and see what happens. If the load blows the breakers, I'll make adjustments accordingly. I was an electrician in the Navy, so I'm not afraid of, you know, changing the parameters that I have to. And again, you know, also adjust if I have to. But I'm hopeful. I don't think uh, things will blow. I think things will work just fine. And if they don't, well, you know, live and learn, move on, adjust, uh, you know, recalibrate and make it work, especially before first brew day, uh, which is happening very soon. So I'm very excited about this adventure ahead of me, folks, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, you listen to future podcasts. I'll let you know how the testing goes. I'll let you know how brew day goes uh, with the rustic French uh, all grain. And, uh, you know, let's move forward with this adventure. And I hope that you understand that one of the things in home brewing is be flexible. Learn from your experiences. Don't give up and move forward. It's fun. It's a great hobby. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to to go to my Facebook page, uh, Baldman Home Brewing, or send a message via uh, the podcast, and I'll be glad to answer it. I'm not an expert. I've said that many times, but I love this hobby, and I'm learning every single day that I get involved in doing it. So again, uh, thank you for listening. Uh, remember, a beer best served is one that you make yourself. Fellow homebrewing enthusiast, where do you get your homebrewing supplies? I get mine from Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies, located at 403 Park Avenue in Woonsocket, Rhode Island. They're open Wednesday from Friday from 4 to 8, Saturday from 10 to 5, and their new winter hours Sunday from 10 to 2. They're closed Monday and Tuesday. Their phone number is 401-765-3830. Their website is www.blackstonevalleybrewing.com.
The owner, Charlie Barron, is a great guy, excellent customer service, and a fellow home brewer. His online ordering system is exceptional. You place your order, and moments later, you receive an email confirming what you have ordered. If Charlie does not have it, he will find it. If he cannot find it, then it does not exist. I'm just joking. Call Blackstone Valley Brewing Supplies for your home brewing needs. Tell Charlie that a beer better served podcast sent you. Hello, everyone. Uh, here's segment three of uh, episode two of my podcast. I love to take uh, the third section of all my podcast and talk about a beer that I'm drinking at that time. Um, today, I'm going to be enjoying one of my favorite styles of beer. I love Pilsners. I'm sure that I pass it on that, you know, I, 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 I've, uh, I had a Pilsner 2 that I created that I wasn't happy with. I loved my Pilsner 1. I love my Pilsner 3. Well, I've sort of run out of those. I actually have my finishing bottles on those that I'll enjoy at another time. But today I will be enjoying Castle Island, uh, Castle Island uh, Brewing Company's Bohemian Shine. Uh, they say it's an award-winning uh, Pilsner beer, uh, 4.9 ABV. Uh, Castle Brewing is located in Norwood, Massachusetts. And they write in this, the Pilsner kick-ass, no question about it, our tribute to this style. Bohemian Shine is a Pilsner beer that has us beaming with pride, clean and crisp with a slight malt sweetness. This award-winning beer shatters the label of simplicity and puts the style's nuance on full blast. I'm looking forward to it. very nice uh it's got a very clear golden uh clarity to it the bubbles are very very tight that's very beautiful yep it has a light sweet maltiness to it and aromatics oh that's a great pilsner this is a really good pilsner folks it's very sharp very crisp and like it mentions it has a sweet uh, a, a sweet a light sweetness to it But nice, nice, very, very well done. I like my Pilsners a little bit more crispy, um, but you know, uh, this style of beer has got its, it, you know, it's got its little bits on either side. I will tell you that you know I've made Pilsners. The two Pilsners that I've made, my favorite is number three, which has more of a crispier edge to it, but still has that slight sweetness. It's close to this. It doesn't have the same clarity, and it's definitely darker than this, which is something I want to work on in my brewing game, especially with Pilsers, is that I've got to figure out my decoction method and how it's working. So maybe I can get Castle Island to give up a couple of its secrets. But for a Pilsner, very happy with it. Very drinkable. 
It's a very drinkable Pilsner. I really enjoy uh, Pilsners in that they offer a nice crisp. They're not high in ABV, um, unless you're doing like an Imperial Pilsner, but they're not very high in ABV, which I've always liked about Pilsners. They don't need to be high in ABV in order to be, uh, you know, enjoyable, drinkable, um, and, you know, um, an everyday kind of beer. And that's the way I look at Pilsners is they really are kind of that, that, what do you call it, common man, beautiful, sim simple kind of beer. Not the easiest thing to make, by the way. I think that, personally, uh, IPAs and a, uh, APAs, American Pale Ales, are, are a lot easier to make uh, compared to Pilsners, especially when you're shooting for that Pilsner style. You're looking for a very clear, clear presentation in the beer. You're looking for a crispness to the flavor. Uh, you're looking for that straightforward uh, note of a, a little bite um, towards the uh, back. Just a light, but a, a nice crisp bite in the back. And then, you know, you've got that little sweetness with some Pilsners and then other Pilsners, of course, uh, that I've had and I enjoy more, have a little bit more of a crispier, less sweet um, uh, note to it. But this is a very good Pilsner. I can see why it's award-winning. I salute you, Castle Island. Uh, you really did well on this. Bohemian Shine. Um, I can see why it's award-winning. Um, you know, in talking about favorite styles of beers, one of the things that I am uh, always impressed with is that I made a discovery with my uh, mentor, Bob Gamash, about, um, you know, there's, there's two types of beer, right? There's ale and there's lagers. And those are the two types, but there's a plethora of styles and I, I never really understood that before um, you know Bob mentioned it I always figured you know a porter's a porter it's a you know I, I knew porter was ale of course and I, I love porters and stouts of course I always felt it was a you know a type of beer it is a, it's a style of beer you know it's also an ale but to me you know it, it I never had that kind of like understanding and it was like it was a light that went over my head. So, um, you know, I, I, I love Pilsner style beer. I like the whole idea of something very crisp, very drinkable. It's one of those things where, you know, you can almost enjoy it year round. I don't, that's, the, that's probably my hugest fascination is, you know, the beer that you drink year round. I am, you know, a home brewer, so I will adventure uh, out and try new beers. In fact, uh, last year was a very exciting year for me. What I did last year was I focused on my chocolate coffee porter. I wanted to make it better than it was the previous year. So every other brew that I had, I would do a chocolate coffee porter just to try and improve it, improve it, improve it, so that by the time Christmas came up, I was presenting to everyone the best I had in chocolate coffee porter because ultimately it's my favorite. So, and it's my signature holiday beer. So I took the oldest episodes of um, my magazines, my, my beer home brewing magazines, 
and I literally just grabbed a recipe. The, the recipe that struck my interest, or should I say the recipe I felt was the easiest and less, uh, the, the least complicated recipe to make, especially since I was relatively new in the all-grain game. So uh, that's what I did. Every other beer, I just would grab an episode, starting with the first episode that I ever got, and then I just brewed one beer uh, from that. And then, you know, I would brew a porter, and then the next month I'd grab the the next oldest episode uh, um, magazine that I had and I would pick a beer and I'd, I'd brew that. And it was a fun adventure. Uh, I That's how I discovered French Rustic Ale um, was through that adventure. And it was, you know, if I hadn't flipped through those magazines, I would have never come across French Rustic Ale. Um, and, you know, whatever mistakes I made, it turned out to be one of the more popular beers that I made. Um, the other beers I made, they were pretty interesting. Uh, people enjoyed them, especially uh, in my beer club. I have a beer club at, uh, where I work, and you know, people enjoy what I give them. And um, you know, it, it was quite the fun adventure. Last year was a lot of fun. This year, I focused on pilsners. Unfortunately, with the virus, uh, you know, and other factors, you know, uh, which I've discussed before that. You know, I was going to be a. Tr <laughs> My wife and I had decided that we were going to try and sell the home. With that came the whole idea of getting the house ready, and then of course we decided to stay home, which then meant uh, being kicked out into a brew shed, uh, and 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 the end result is is that we're all very happy about the situation and where we're at. So I salute you with this pilsner. and invite you to have one yourself. As I like to end all episodes, I want to thank those that have made this possible for me, especially my wife. Uh, when you think about this beer shed that I have here, it, it took a collaboration uh, of thoughts where, you know, we were doing something in the house to renovate it, to make a bedroom for our oldest son. With that came with, well, we had moved all the stuff out of our house into storage and here we were in the process of moving it back and thinking to ourselves, oh my God, we love all this open space to where how can I avoid putting all my beer equipment back into the garage so that the garage could be free of you know all this clutter to building two extra storage units to put all the stuff that was in this existing shed into those storage units um, to having this beer shed. So all that being said, thank you, honey. Uh, if we hadn't collaborated on that, I wouldn't be sitting here right now enjoying the world that I'm in. I also want to thank all you home brewers out there. Of course, Blackstone Valley um, Brewing uh, for providing me with the ingredients and supplies and all the things I need. Thank you very much, Charlie. And lastly, of course, my mentor, uh, Bobby G, um, for which without him, I wouldn't be in this mess. And again, folks, enjoy your beer. Enjoy your homebrew. Remember, a beer best served is one you make yourself. Try this Castle Island, uh, Castle Island Bohemian Shine, folks. It's a good pilsner. Enjoy. All right, we're done here. Put the damn thing in a box, 
tape it up, ship it out. No questions asked. All right? You got a problem with that? 